millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, everyone. I'm, well... It's obvious. I'm John Verhoeven, and I was a cop back in the 80s in Sydney. And I'm Paul Verhoeven, John's son. I'm an author, and I wrote two books about Dad's time as a cop. The first five seasons of Loose Units spanned my time in general duties, forensics, my time as a firefighter, and even my stint running a funeral home. This season, we're visiting the locations of Australia's most notorious, baffling, horrific crimes, and looking at what happened there. From Snowtown to The Family... From the Morehouse murders to haunted highways, this season of Loose Units is your go-to guide to the worst crimes in Australian true crime history. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Back in 1994, a director called Peter Jackson, you may have heard of him, released a film called Heavenly Creatures. It received widespread critical acclaim, and he uh, co-wrote it, and he directed it, and everybody sort of lost their shit about this film, partly because it was a period thriller, Dad. It's a psychological, um, psychosexual thriller-slash-drama-slash-black-comedy. It had all these kind of things that people really enjoyed. Uh, It was one of Kate Winslet's breakout roles, and uh, the reason it took off... Is because it's based on an incredible true story. In 1954, there was a murder that happened in Christchurch, and it was carried out by two teenage girls, Pauline Parker and Juliet Holm. And we are going to talk about that case today, partly because it's an incredible story, which Dad hadn't actually heard of, which I always love doing. I love ambushing Dad with new cases. But partly because we so rarely stray across to New Zealand, and we obviously have a big... Um, we have a storied history in Australia, Dad, of uh, laying claim to New Zealand's cultural artifacts. We claimed that we did pavlova. A lot of people are screaming right now that we did. Uh, we tried to say Crowded House, Russell Crowe. We, we try and kind of co-opt New Zealand's achievements. So I thought, why not try and co-opt one of their murders as well? Uh, this is an incredible case. I find this story so fascinating. Dad, what did you make of this story? It's really interesting. It's disturbing. It's fascinating. The It's very, very unusual. It's a case of um, what's called matricide. Right. Uh, and we're not talking mattress that you sleep on. I fucking knew you'd, I knew you'd say that. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I was watching it. I was watching it approach over the horizon going, eh, it's not going to hit us. I know. Oh, I'm no. so predictable. No, Actually, I'm, I'm, in, I'm notoriously predictable. And uh, don't be careful of patricide, which is when someone gets killed on a... Patris, I'm not sure. Hmm. Matricide when a, when a mother gets killed, yes. Look, it's the media mm-hmm. historically, and this was brought up in the in the court case. Mm. Um, but I think we should perhaps go back a bit. Well, let's go. Okay, so first of all, it does involve two friends doing something terrible. Mm. Dad, many of the stories in Loose Units relate to yourself and Julian uh, carrying out all sorts of, you know, japes and whatnot. Uh, I was curious as to 
I'm not asking whether you and a friend have killed anyone, but I'm saying, can you sort of sympathize on an in, in like a just an abstract way with uh, the what happens when you get into a really intense friendship? You know, what kind of stuff you do, the you know, the sort of peer pressure, the the desire to impress the other person, the not obsession, but the, you become really besotted with the other person. Can mm. you relate to that aspect of these crimes? At yes, least? I can. And for that very reason, mm. there are some stories. Yeah. That I've never even told you. What? Mm. And never will. We get to, listeners, we get to this point in the show occasionally where Dad's like, there's no more stories. Really? Yeah, there's no more stories. I go, there's got to be some stories. Oh, no, no, no there's no. No, no, because of this very reason. Okay. That with a very good friend right. that you trust, uh-huh. it's sort of, I think the trust is the key. Yeah. Should you plot a, a devious... Um, misdemeanor, yep. shall we say. Misdemeanor is a minor crime, like stealing milk money. Sure, right. That's an absurd, a- absurd example. Yeah. We all have skeletons in our closet. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. Some actually, I know one person that's actually got a skeleton in her closet. Really? A real one. I, I just, hey, everyone, just, just quickly. I, I'm going to tell a story <laughs> very quickly. Speaking of skeletons in closets, um, my uh, best mate Rad, uh, she, I host Game for Anything with her. Just, just this is just a very quick, quick aside. I host Game for Anything with Rad, and um, we were at a uh, taxidermy expo looking at taxidermy. And I told Dad, and I said, Rad's looking for some, like you know, some taxidermy. And he and he called me up very quickly and said, Mate, I can get you a human skeleton. And I'm like, Excuse me. And he says, No, I, I just give me, give me an hour. I can, I know, I know a guy who knows a guy. Who has a human skeleton? Now, when Dad told me the specifics of the skeleton uh, and the uh, you know box it was in, not closet, I went, okay. So it, there's a little more to it than that. Within context, it makes sense. But so, Dad, when you say skeleton in closet, I instantly think of the fact that you, as listeners will know, are the kind of person who could probably probably get him one. No, I definitely can on yeah. that particular topic. But look, friendship, particularly teen friendship, yes, it's just it's exciting, mm. particularly if it's of a minor sexual nature now that's one thing that i really am not because they've okay skipping ahead they've they've all disputed the fact that this was in any way you know a a sexual thing i am open to the argument that it's not just because of how intense and obsessive and fantastical uh, teenage relationships can be when you just mm. You find that person who's your fucking best mate, and it's just it's it's amazing. So let's start with with the two people in question. It's 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 the fifties. Okay. Yeah? It's the fifties. It is yeah. a time mm-hmm. of, and I'm going to quote and use two words in parentheses here. Oh, okay. Moral panic. Explain what that is. It means that of the time yeah. after the Second World War, when there was this great sense of rebuilding, rebirth. Yep particularly in the West. There was this thing, you may recall, Paul, when, you know, people used to critique Elvis Presley in terms of just being so... so He was not allowed to perform in certain American towns because he was the son of Beelzebub, the devil. Oh, because of the thrusting. The thrusting, the the gyrating, the pulsating of the pelvic region. Yeah. And you can see the looks on the girls' faces. And some of the guys' faces. <laughs> That's so funny. So, you know, it, it, it was problematic. This particular case, Paul, 
made it to the esteemed Time magazine. That's how far this went. And there's a reason that this journalists flew into New Zealand, into Christchurch, which in mm-hmm. winter is a godforsaken, cold, cold town. Yeah. Christian and I were there a few years ago. There was an ice sculpture in the middle of the town at the epicenter of some of the serious earthquakes they also have. This ice sculpture didn't melt for one week. It just stayed there. Okay. It was so cold and miserable. And the reason journalists flew in from England, America, Australia and other countries was that the father of one of the offenders was at one time head of the British nuclear project to create, help create the first atomic bomb. Whoa. Incredibly brilliant. A mathematical physics and maths professor Uh of the highest, highest intellect. And that's interesting Mm. because I'm I'm just going to, say this now, here and now, and I think this is quite fascinating, is that his daughter, whose name was Juliet Hulme, yes. would you care to guess her IQ? I, uh, here's the problem, that I don't know what a high IQ is. In uh, terms 140 of would be considered uh, pretty well getting up there. One, 150, extraordinarily rare. 160 is just so uncommon. Hers was 170. Okay. Extraordinary. That's okay. So she, very smart. And she came from... She was came from privilege and then her father and her mother the father got a posting to the canterbury university in new zealand where he became uh, the dean and they lived very close by in a magnificent i guess you could say a colonial mansion and she went to christchurch girls high it's funny because the high school to this day Mm -hmm. is basically which causes a great deal of consternation with the, the staff. Yeah. Uh, because that's all it's known for. Oh, this yeah. Crime. Okay. Because the two girls, the other girl was Pauline Parker. Pauline Parker, it sounds like something out of Spider-Man, doesn't it? So they met. Now, Pauline, her mother and father, mm-hmm. ostensibly married. And that's important to remember what I just said then. We got a kind of stepdad situation going on here. No, no, they they were husband and wife. Oh, I see. Yep. Until a particular thing happens, which we'll talk about. So they meet at school. Have you seen photographs of? I take it you've seen photographs of the two girls. Yes. It's interesting to note at this juncture that both girls were were very very sickly when they were very young. They had serious illnesses, and as is often the case, back in the forties, fifties, and also going back into the nineteenth century. There were certain diseases where it was felt that one would improve if one went to a an elevated, cool climate. That's why a lot of these um, in in Europe, for example, Switzerland was famous for those tuberculosis sort of places where one would go and recuperate. <laughs> the irony that t- TB kind of affects your lungs and higher altitude means you can't get as much oxygen. I'm not I'm, tr- I'm not sure what weird. the science is, but yeah, 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 yeah. But in Sydney, we've got the Blue Mountains. We've got um, you know Katoomba and Lura, yeah. and and they were they were very famous at the turn of the 19th century mm-hmm. and early 20th century for people to go and recover. Right. So the family had um, their daughters, both daughters, sort of health in mind. But the fact that they were sickly. This 
again was presented uh, in the trial because there are all sorts of um, parallels by various medical staff, both doctors and psychiatrists, to try and figure out what on earth had happened. But what happens is Pauline's mother yeah. became very concerned about her daughter's relationship. Uh, Juliet's parents were a little bit more, shall we say, uh, they, they, they were more liberal thinkers. Right. In terms of, Paul, the, the topic we broached previously, and that was their sexual relationship, mm-hmm. because there was a, a genuine feeling from both parents that... They were a little... People, I'm guessing they thought they were a little too... That they were having a, an intimate sexual relationship, uh, taking into consideration their, their age of you know, around about 15. Now, whether that did or did not take place uh, is the subject of great conjecture. Okay. So hang on, Dad, I just want to know, what when, when people talk about worrying about how close these two girls were... I'm, I'm guessing they were sort of pretty, pretty close, but what was their actual relationship like, Dad? It was fascinating, but I don't think unique. Um, but what they did, they created a like a fourth universe, a fourth world. Wait, what does that mean? It's a, a like a temporal zone where what? they created their own their own fantasy world. Uh, they were sort of deities within this this fantasy world, and they even get ready for this. They even sort of created their own moral code, almost a religion, just for the two of them. What was it called? Did it have a name? The technical term they used was the fourth world. The fourth world is the place they went in their kind of make-believe yes. scenarios, right? Yes, and they, and this is very important to the crux of this whole dastardly crime, is that what they did is they twisted the moral compass where they could then rationalise mm. certain things that they were contemplating moving forward with into the future they basically it's a very very interesting uh, concept it's certainly not unique people have make-believe fantasy i mean how often does one just that's the beautiful thing about our minds we can just go where we want to go we can you can just do anything can't you yeah in your mind but then all of a sudden you just sort of come back to reality. But I guess some people don't come back, which has incredible consequences in terms of, for example, schizophrenia. These girls did not have that. These girls rationalized. They created a imaginary world, not just a place to escape to, but also a place where there was a moral framework which Correct. would preemptively justify the thing that they Perfectly. were about to do. Okay, Absolutely spot on, Paul. Yeah. So for listeners that are still wondering what, what we're talking about mm. or where we're moving to is that Pauline's mother yep. said, you're not going to South Africa. The, old, the end game for the two girls in their minds and in their daily conversations and in their diaries was to end up as starlets in Hollywood. That was the end game. Given the IQ in question, uh, being a screenwriter didn't seem like the least plausible thing. I I agree. The 50s, there's a lot of women getting involved in cinema. Yes. And a lot of that kind of thing that happens in small towns when when you're one of the only creative people around. You find kindred spirits and you... Correct. Yes, and you dream and you fantasize. And if you want to sort of leave New Zealand... Uh, or leave any 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 place that you feel there's another 
sort of utopia just awaiting, then and it's exciting. I mean, there are no boundaries when you're when you're a teenager. Life is you don't have the complexities of life. You don't have the mortgages and all the fucking dramas. You know, sometime a few days ago, I saw a baby in a pram. I looked at the baby and I often do this and I think, wow, you have no worries in the world. That's right, isn't it? Stupid baby. You just don't, you don't, you just, life is, is blissful and, and the way, that's how it should be. And I remember when I was young in the country, sitting in the back, parents driving to whoop whoop and just listening to their complex conversations about politics and mortgages and but I found it interesting, but I didn't fully understand it. It seemed so complex. But then when you move into the world as you get older, you begin to realize that it's it's all shite. It's not actually that complicated. And for these girls, they, they, they hatched a plan. The problem was uh, Pauline's mother said no. And they tried. she tried to sort of separate them. That's when they hatched the plan to... Lua, the mother, Honora, into uh, a very quiet, sort of isolated place called Victoria Park, mm-hmm. which is in Port Hills, which is in Christchurch. And the plan was to have half a brick concealed in a stocking, which they undoubtedly, and it's never really been discussed. Uh, as to whether they brought the brick with them or it was at a predetermined location because what happens is they, the three of them, Juliet, Pauline and Honora, they, under the guise of having a lovely sort of lunch, afternoon tea, then going for a stroll, they're about 130 metres down this path away from sort of a tea house mm-hmm. And clearly there's no one else around. It's wintertime, so it's really cold. One of the girls then drops a very, very colourful sort of stone, but hand-painted with a very bright colour, drops it on the path in front of the three of them and instinctively, and this is all preordained, the mother, Honora, reaches down to pick up this colourful, like a bauble, as she's reaching down, and it's not specific as to which girl, I believe, because in the movie, she's hit once, because the girls had, in their minds, Mm. conceived and almost sort of... I mean, there's not a lot of research one could do on how many blows it takes to kill a human with half a brick. But in the movie, it's one blow. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. But listeners, the the reality of this particular murder and gruesome murder it was is that the mother was bashed to death more than 20 times. No. Her dentures, she had dentures, dentures being a complete set of false teeth on the bottom. Uh-huh. They were found nearby, basically just um, most of the denture had been pressed down with force into clay. Her lower jaw was at right angles to where it should have been. She had... Um, Many, many parts of her skull were exposed and her little finger on one hand was hanging by a gossamer wing, by a thread of skin. That in itself is a self-defense wound. And we've discussed those in the past. These are the sort of gruesome but real facts, listeners, Uh that are not discussed, mentioned in any way in the film, uh, which I find um, slightly problematic, how you can go from one you know whack on the head to I guess perhaps that they tried to romanticize uh, you know the story, which many, many people I mean in these cases, people invariably take sides, mm. which is understandable. Well, but- I did read that I did read that Peter Jackson um, and his partner Fran Walsh, I think her name is. They basically, there was a voiceover structure in the film and they took that from, uh, I forget which of the girls kept the diary, but they actually, they talked to classmates and psychologists and teachers and neighbours and tried to piece together something that was less about the specifics of the crime and more about who they were as people. Because of the hysteria of the time, who they were as people was completely absent from, from the, uh, you know, mm. from, the, from any other accounts of the story. Mm. But... Very valid point. Very valid, Paul. Particularly yeah. for you and the listeners, our listeners. We're a true crime podcast. Yeah. We don't like to sort of just skim over some of the, the details. Some of the details. This is actually the the epicenter. This is the, the focal point. This is the hot zone of this particular story. It's a murder. 
committed by two girls, premeditated. Now, they both had diaries. This is very controversial. Pauline Parker's diary was used in the, uh, in, in the trial in the Supreme Court. Really? They never, ever found... In fact, there was a lot of uh, rumour and innuendo about Juliet's... Uh, Juliet's the girl with 170 IQ, that she also... It seems impossible to consider that they, if one had a diary, the other didn't. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm going to say, um, based on the information that I have gleaned, and I have, I, Paul, I have really gone deep. I've read a lot of academic papers. I've read a lot of um, really, really interesting, deep um, information from both sides. Mm-hmm. It's very, very interesting. And then a barrister uncovered an interview with a gardener for Juliet Hulmes. And this was a very sort of very, very, um, very well-off family, very, very sort of privileged family. Uh, the gardener, they found out, and this was not mentioned in the court case, mm-hmm. was asked by the family to burn Juliet's diary. So that's interesting. Really? Yes. So Pauline's uh, diary was, was used in, in the case. But, but of course, when one uses a diary, you've got the prosecution that want to prove one thing. You've got the defence that want to prove another. And what they... And this comes back to the moral panic of the time, is that the inference of a lesbian relationship in the 50s with young girls was seen as... as morally corrupt um there was a lot of blame and i've also read very interesting articles from journalists at the time who in fact were gay but of course because of the time could never ever um you know come out so to speak and they were absolutely because they've interviewed them over the years and and they've just said it was so embarrassing and appalling the evidence that was given in court and you know, it was a classic case of the media simply tearing apart. And if you look at the photos of the two girls, one of the girls was very, very attractive. I know that's subjective. The other girl was very, you know, you just don't know whether it was the photo of the day, the photo that they used. There are not many photographs of the girls. But interestingly, it didn't take the jury very long to find the girls guilty and because of their age they were not given the death penalty right which at that point i assume would have been hanging right i'm not sure what it was in new zealand i would imagine it would be hanging because they were hanging people in australia up until the 1960s uh unlike america which was using Mm. poison and um the electric chair and recently uh used in uh, i believe arizona they used this new thing which yes was, oh God. some new fucking fandangle technique cut it the fuck out i know Sorry, but so okay how long paul do you think the girls were sentenced to okay it's a it's a heinous crime 10 years 10 they got five each oh they were placed in separate prisons in New Zealand yeah and there was a rumor circulating that in the judgment the 
the girls, it was said, were never, ever allowed to associate with, with each other again. That has been disproven 100%. That is, it's baloney. Huh. The two girls, they did their time. So my understanding, Dad, is that Pauline, um, Pauline, she ended up after prison going to university. Mm. So, I mean, God yes. knows how that would have been. She says so she got a BA, which she graduated from in 1964. Correct. So that means she did a five-year prison stint, mm. then does university. Yep. Then she goes back to Wellington and works as a librarian for a while. That's right. Then yes. she and now now she moved to England, and I'm assuming that's because just you know you can't shit where you eat, right? I mean, it'd be just impossible. I don't know how she got through her degree. Frankly, this mm. is. I mean, I'm assuming people would have left her alone. But she goes to England, gets a job as a librarian, then. I, I don't know what happens after that. I think she's living in she lived in some small village, mm. basically, mm. and that and yeah, and she became a Catholic, and yep. she was teaching kids how to ride horses, which yes. is a pretty decent, um, decent way to go. And on just a, an aside, Paul, is that through friends and and relatives and colleagues, it was said, and these are her words. This is um, Hilary Nathan, mm-hmm. who was Pauline Parker. She said it took her the entire five years being incarcerated mm-hmm. to acknowledge and realise the terrible wrong she'd done. Isn't that incredible? No, well, she went to New Zealand. She, she actually did her degree in New Zealand because she wasn't allowed to leave New Zealand for a while. And then eventually the authorities, you know, said, OK, you can go. Mm-hmm. Um, she's still alive, but she's, um, she's unapproachable. So what happened to Juliet? She changed the name, as we know, to Anne Perry. Uh-huh. She went to America, became a um, a Mormon, uh, as in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I just love saying that. It's such a long name. So hang on. she. It's a shame she went to America and didn't do what they both talked about, which is becoming a screenwriter. It's mm. She didn't kind of live her dream and become famous and, you know. Mm. Stuff like that. Well, actually, Paul, she she did um, did something very interesting. She um, she moved to England, and no, what? She, what? Yes, she oh, started wait, writing after America. After America, okay. She got around, and then she started because remember she she came from. Let's just be very open and honest. She came from money. Her, her father was uh, they were well off, and mm. and she travelled, and she developed a a a talent. For can you guess what type of writing, Paul? Well, she wanted to be a screenwriter, mm. but look, given that this is a true crime podcast, I'm hoping she wrote. Well, true crime didn't exist at that point. It was okay. So, what kind of writing did she get into? True crime. What? Yes, and she has written more than 100 books, and one of the most highly coveted awards in true crime is an Agatha Christie uh, sort of. Perpetual Award. Right. And she has written bestsellers. We're talking, she pumps them out for pumped because um, approximately, I think it's about a year ago. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. She passed away. She had a heart attack. Um, But she was a prolific. Now, this is interesting. She was outed by a journalist, which opens up a whole Pandora's box uh, of, you know, committing a crime Case in point, listeners, remember the trial or the, the, the court case in England when two boys pushed a three-year-old or put him up on the train track and the train ran him over? Remember that story, Paul? 
Many uh, years ago. Vaguely. And that particular one of the offenders was then they had his name changed and he moved to Australia. And he would now be in his 20s right. or even early 30s. He may well be, he could be a doctor. He could be an electrician. He could be a school teacher. That's the thing about completely changing and giving someone a new identity, moving them to another country. Can you imagine, because I think it's a little bit different when young, very young people commit crimes in terms of, you know, that the, they say that the brain is not completely formed. Look, at this is a, this is a whole can of worms here, but, you know, they, they do go to extreme lengths to, to try and give these people another, another start. And case in point, I feel, is these two women, uh, without sort of glamorising or taking from the, the crime, they seem to have um, made good. Is that, is that fair to say? Look, I do believe that you need to be able to, you know, I don't know, we keep talk, we, we, we've been talking a lot of it lately. On, we have. We've, uh, we've been talking a lot lately on the show about forgiveness and mm. redemption and whatnot. And yeah, these are two teenage girls who <sighs> did something terrible and spent the rest of their lives trying to, like, what, what else can you do? I, I, should you write someone off if they've done something horrifying? We've all done bad stuff. I don't know. Also, they both joined different religions. Mm. And in certain ways, religions, you know, are at least in part about hopefully absolving yourself from, you know, different stuff. Now, whether that is hitting one of your mothers with a brick until she's dead, that's uh, that's a whole different kettle of fish. Mm, so I agree. Yeah, I, I, you, the the journalist that outed Juliet, aka Anne Perry, the author. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't know how. I don't see the purpose itself. It's sort of, I don't actually, I understand why he did it in that it gives him some notoriety, Mm -hmm. but it slightly backfired on him insofar as, and this is well documented, she was such an incredibly prolific and really famous um, crime, true crime writer. What happened was, and it was, came as a bit of a shock to her as well, is that her fan, it galvanized her fans' feelings because they then thought, mm-hmm. and this is not, I'm not speaking for all the fans, but the clear majority then felt that, wow, here's someone that really knows what she's talking about. I think that's fascinating. That's interesting. Okay, that so interesting? <laughs> I'm not saying you and I need to no. commit some crimes, but no. it is interesting. If you, if you were a fan of a crime author, mm. And then you found out that they committed a crime, which was, you know, theoretically a crime, like you said. They were mm. younger. There's, you know, there's a bit of different context. Yeah, uh, that's that's fascinating. I, I think I, I almost need to read one now. Yeah, see what I think. it's yeah. I'm I'm going to do some research. Um, Paul, this has been a thoroughly, thoroughly fascinating story that you introduced me to. I'm very grateful, and as I'm sure the listeners are, I have absolutely. Loved it. And this is something that I don't ever do, listeners. I have um, uncovered a very, very deep thesis on this particular topic. And I'm, I started reading it um, a little while ago and I've, I have found it enthralling. And just for my own edification, I am going to read this. It's basically a, uh, a thesis 
uh, because I really want to go into the psychology behind uh, this particular crime. Uh, because during the court case, a lot of absolute gobbledygook. And there's this amazing um, phrase that has been debunked, Paul. It's a, it's a French term. Um, I would love to quote it, but I don't have it in front of me at the moment. But it basically means that one of the girls, they basically transferred their perceived insanity between each other. It has been debunked, but it was used by the prosecution in the trial. Hmm. It's a fascinating term, and it basically means a shared insanity. It's just... But again, so there was so much rubbish flying around in the court case, uh, which I feel is often the case. Uh, you know, when you're paid as a, um, as a defence lawyer to do your darndest... Isn't it interesting that they didn't have the death penalty? Because if they had of, they would have been sorry. If they had have been eighteen mm -hmm. at the time, they would have been. We wouldn't be having. It would not be a story. Um, but the fact that they went on and did other things, and and I guess made good, and yeah, it's it's fascinating, Paul. And and I thank you again for bringing this to to our attention. Oh, no problem. Uh, also, folks, listen. Um, that's all the time we have for today's episode. But just a few quick things. One. Uh, I left a thread on our Facebook page about our sound mix. Uh, Dad and I are in the process of completely changing our hardware setup. Um, also, I am now going to be upping the volume on every waveform. This is just fancy engineer speak for what I'm doing with the, uh, with the audio side of things. Long story short, rest assured, the, the audio quality and the audio fidelity is going to be taking a stratospheric leap. Uh, and that's a real kind of focus of ours. Secondly... Please don't think we have not been uh, looking at the case of the woman who went missing in Ballarat, Samantha Murphy. Uh, this is an ongoing case. We didn't want to get into this uh, too soon, but um, we've been hearing your notes and your feedback, and we will be uh, looking at this case very soon. So make sure you keep your ears peeled for that. But in the meantime, folks, uh, have a wonderful week. We're going to be back very soon with another Loose Ends, which is uh, the spin-off episode we do every week. And, Dad, we also crested a little while ago 200 Loose Ends, and Loose Ends was your idea, so I feel like um, props, to, props to John for Thanks, coming Paul. up with that absolutely wild, wild spin-off idea. Thank you, thank you. And I believe also Tegan, I don't believe that Tegan contacted me because she actually did uh, last week, and she said we're approaching a huge number. Mm -hmm. It's a big one. Yes, in terms of listeners, yes. Yes, we it's, are... it's, it's so, such a big number, I can hardly even hardly say it. Yeah, we're approaching 9 million listeners. No, no, 10 million. What? Yep, Tegan said 10. Get out. Wait, what? 10 really? million. Oh, folks, thank you. Honestly, it's just, it's, it's, it means the world to us that you listen to this show. We love doing it so much. We have, a, we have a brand new season with a brand new premise coming soon, which is crazy. We're going to be dealing with this missing persons case very soon, which I know lots of you are interested in. And, uh, you know, major overhauls in the audio department. So there's a lot going on in the world of loose units. Uh, we absolutely love doing the show. We love you all, and we will see you very, very soon for a brand new episode. Bye, folks. Cheerio. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves, 
without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50-80% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.